You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I am joined today by my longtime co-host, Curtis, to cover some more breaking news in the world of Georgia football, or I guess we should say breaking-ish news. It broke over the weekend, so it's not like it's hot off the presses as we sit here recording Monday night, but this is the first episode that we've done since that news broke, so we'll still call it breaking news And that news, of course, is that former Georgia player, former Georgia coach, former Georgia interim coach, Brian McClendon is coming back home to once again coach between the hedges as our new wide receiver coach, replacing Cortez Hankin, who is off to the new SEC clown show in Baton Rouge. And yes, this does mean that we're pushing our way too early look at the 2022 Georgia football team back Yet again, I hate to do it, guys. I really want to do this episode. I really, really do. But when news breaks and the buzz is out there and our DMs and our inbox fills up with questions about it, we want to make sure to cover it for you guys here on the podcast. And again, it is the offseason. So that means we have a little bit more flexibility with things. So today we'll cover a little breaking news. We'll answer a few leftover mailbag questions. And then we'll wrap things up with a quick National Signing Day preview. Before we do that, though, I do just want to take a quick minute, guys, just to thank you. I know I do this from time to time, and it probably gets annoying. I'm sure it does, but I don't care. I'm I'm a believer in the idea that you tell people how you feel about them when you have the chance, and I want you guys to know how much we appreciate you here on the Glory UJ podcast. You might be wondering, like, what's the what's the impetus for this, Tyler? Like, why randomly are you saying, "Hey, guys, we love you, thank you"? Well, just looking back at this past season, this past year, not just the football season, but the year in general, our podcast has grown in a way that I never thought it would. Now, don't get me wrong. We are still very much a mom and pop shop here at the Glory UGA podcast. We know who we are, and we're very, very cool with that. We aren't the big time mainstream podcast taking the world by storm. No, that's not us, and that's cool. But for just a couple of random dudes just a couple of Georgia guys, and I guess a Georgia gal and Charlie when she's on the show. 
it's crazy to me that this podcast has first off lasted as long as it has. We started this thing going into the 2015 season. Yes, that very, very fateful 2015 season. I remember the very first season, the, fir- the first couple episodes, we're talking about Grayson Lambert and is he, he going to win the job? Is it going to be Bryce Ramsey? Who is it going to be? I remember talking about that. I mean, it seems like it was just yesterday, but obviously it was not yesterday. It was seven years ago. And when we started, I had no expectation. I didn't even think that long down the road. I didn't start this podcast with the idea that, hey, you know what, man, I'm going to go out there and like, we're going to take over the Georgia market. And like, obviously we have not taken over the Georgia market. That's not really what this is about. We started this podcast just to give people the kind of Georgia coverage that we always craved and didn't feel like was always out there, covering the program from a more X's and O's standpoint, more hardcore football standpoint, and maybe not as much fluffy stuff. And we will do a fair amount of fluff sometimes just to have fun. Sure, it happens. But we try to be more like hardcore X and O stuff. That's what we'd always wanted, and we just had a hard time finding it. And that's what we started. It was almost like we just, we just wanted to put it out there for people like us. And then whatever happens, happens. And I'm the kind of guy, just personality-wise, like if I'm going to do something, if I'm going to put my time into it, I'm going to do it right. So if, I, if I'm going to put any time into it, I'm going to put a lot of time into it and just try to give my absolute best shot. That's kind of just how I operate. It's how I was raised. It's how my mind works. And so, yeah, sure, after seven years of putting a lot of time and energy and effort into it, it's um, it's grown more than I ever thought it could. And this year, with the growth that we saw and the number of listens, the downloads that we saw, the new listeners that we saw, it really kind of brought all that home. I mean, just for instance, the, the month of January, guys, we're up 101% year over year from this January compared to last January. And I know there's some, there are some extenuating circumstances there. Obviously, with the COVID year last year, things didn't necessarily how we wanted them to. Obviously, we won the Peach Bowl. And then, yeah, we won a national title this year. So there's obviously that. But up 101%, like that's just, it's mind-blowing to me. I, I, just, I can't understand how that's possible and why it's possible, but somehow it happened. And, and each week, each month during the season, going back September, October, November, December, were the four biggest months in the history, the seven-year history of this podcast. And the reason I'm telling you that is just to explain why I'm sitting here saying thank you. Because as I say many times in this podcast, this show simply would not exist without all of you. That's just a fact. 100% fact. We are a bunch of nobodies. I don't want to speak for Curtis. I don't want to speak for Charlie. I'll speak for myself. I'm a nobody who is able to have a podcast and be able to talk about Georgia football on here every single week out of the year. Talk about what I love and what I'm more passionate about than anything in the world because of the support that each and every one of you give us week in and week out during the year. And for that, I simply cannot thank you enough. Charlie, Curtis, I know they agree with me here. I just, so I just want to put that out there. I know I said this before, it's nothing new, but every now and then, you know, when you see some numbers come in and you're just like, whoa, like how is this even possible? And it's possible because of you guys. So sincerely guys, thank you very, very much for all the years and years of support and Hopefully, our plan is to keep this thing going as long as we possibly can. As long as you guys want us to keep it going, we'll keep it going. And hey, hopefully we'll win a few more national titles along the way, right? All right, Curtis, let's start with the breaking-ish news that Kirby Smart has brought Brian McClendon back home here to the Classic City. For those of you who haven't been keeping track, so obviously he was our wide receivers coach under Mark Rick for the latter years of the Rick tenure. Rick gets fired. McClendon becomes the interim coach for the bowl game down there in Jacksonville against Penn State. Win that football game, so one knows an interim coach. Then he goes to South Carolina to be their wide receiver coach. He eventually 
gets uh, promoted to become their offensive coordinator in 2018. That lasted for one year. Didn't go particularly well. Obviously, Will Muschamp leaves, gets fired, whole nine yards. He ends up at Oregon with Mario Cristobal, where he's been the past couple years. Mario Cristobal heads down to Miami, and he brings Brian McClendon with him. Brian McClendon gets the offer from Georgia and says, deuces, I'm out. Now he's back home. So, Kurt, we touched on the wide receiver coach vacancy last week. And it sounded like you were pretty open to the idea of McClendon returning to Athens. I don't want to put words in your mouth. It's kind of the vibe I got from you. So what do you think, man? Did Kirby get this hire right? I think he did get it right. I mean, a lot of people were pushing for Heinz Ward and people like Terrence Edwards with GS. They were really good receivers. Um, but I think, I don't know, part of it, I mean, Heinz Ward was what he did in the NFL, but also they were Georgia guys. So for I think that realistically he check the box on bringing back a Georgia guy with Georgia roots. Um, and then you just brought back someone who is a great recruiter. Um, think of all the people he's recruited himself. And then also all the people he realistically, when you think of a wide receiver coach, something that they have to be really good at is like what you see with running back coaches, things like that is they have to be able to juggle egos. Um, I think is a big thing about that job. And he did all that, especially coaching running backs. Um, when you had Todd and people like, uh, Keith Marshall back at that time so he's shown he can do that and then I think realistically he's just he is a great recruiter um, I would you're seeing a lot of recruits actually you know react positively to his his um, how good of a recruiter he is and the relationships he builds with these young men so I think it was a great job of bringing home a Georgia guy who I think has great connections especially in the state of Georgia but also to some of these guys that he's, even in the west coast where he was um, so he has done it on a big thing, so on a big stage, and not just in Georgia, also, um, just with the Georgia name. So I'm, I like the hire. I'm with you, man. I love this hire for all the reasons you mentioned there. I, I, I'll just go back to what I said last week. I'll stand by that. I think this is the best all around option for Georgia. If you think about experience, being an alumnus, as you mentioned, expert recruiter, this is a guy that does not he doesn't have a ton of offensive coordinator experience, but he has offensive coordinator experience. He's been the interim head coach at two different stops here in Athens and also the Oregon last year. Uh, done a good job in, in both those instances. Highly respected, incredible recruiter. Very, very sourced here. Has a lot of contacts in the state of Georgia in the southeast. So it's it's a no-brainer to me to bring Brian McClendon home for this wide receiver coach position if he was interested. I mean, t- and here's what I'd also say. like Brian McClendon Curtis is not a Kirby guy. Like He's not a guy that's followed Kirby around, and he's not an old buddy of, of Kirby's like Will Muschamp or Mike Bobo, but he's a Kirby type of guy. You get what I mean by that? No, like, I do because, I mean, when you think about it, you're talking about Bobo and Muschamp have more ties to Kirby. Um, but the biggest thing is, you know, I think it was overblown. The problems or, you know, the bad blood that was between BMAC and Kirby. I think I do think that that was overblown. There were those rumors. Yeah. And I, I think that there was some tension, I think is the wording I would use, but the tension was there because they went head to head in recruiting. Um, so much. Yeah. And but and a lot of that too is because B Mac is such a passionate guy, especially on the recruiting trail. I mean, he did a great job on the recruiting trail, especially what he was able to do and what he was selling at the time. Georgia wasn't what we are now. And yet he still did really good. So a lot and so he's someone that brings that commitment to recruiting, which is what you know Kirby is all about, realistically. So, like you said, he's not 
the Kirby guy, but he has a lot of the same beliefs, um, the way he goes about recruiting and everything. Yeah, the same attributes, the same qualities. I mean, he he's a grinder. He's a guy that knows the Southeast. He's a guy that loves University of Georgia. It's in his blood, just like Kirby. So he might not be like the guy that has the ties to Kirby Smart, a la Mike Bobo, a la Will Muschamp. But he, in my opinion, is very much a Kirby-type guy. I think this is a Kirby-type hire. And here's another reason why it's a Kirby-type hire. Maybe there was some tension. I don't know the full story there. I haven't ever gotten the full story. I know that there was some sort of tension that dated back to recruiting and that kind of thing. And that happens on the trail, guys. It, it can get nasty. You're down there in the mud. Everybody's slinging mud. But this is just yet another example of how Kirby Smart just he, he just wants to win. Right, Kurt? He just wants to win. Yeah, exactly. When he's willing to put away um, – I mean, I don't. I think that, like I said, I think some of the tension was overblown. Yes, but the fact was, like, both of them had to get together and kind of settle their egos and settle what was between them. Um, so he it shows that he's willing to. I mean, and I like I said, I don't think it was a severe. But the fact was, they did have to get together and kind of get to a come to an understanding. I mean, I, I love this. He is a he's a, always been a big time recruiter, and he was. I mean, look, our brand has always been a big time brand out there on the recruiting trail. But it's never been bigger than it is right now, and it's never been as big as it ha- as it has been over the past couple of years under Kirby Smart's tenure as head coach. It just simply hasn't been. So he recruited really well at Georgia, you know, five, six, seven years ago. But if that was the case then, imagine what he's going to be able to do now with the ammunition that Kirby has added to the Georgia brand out there, not just in the southeast, but now across the country. I think he's going to be able to do some freaking work on the recruiting trail. And you guys know, everyone knows, man, like Kirby, obviously you you have to develop players. You've got to, you got to coach them up. You know, all those things are important, right? You've got to know the the technique of the position you're coaching. You got to be able to, to reach young men, build relationships with them. All that's really important. But Kirby says it all the time, guys, you don't beat talent. All right. Like talent just wins. Like how many times did he asked this year, like, Hey, what's the difference this year? He's like, God, we got good players guys. And how do you get good players? You recruit them. So to me, this, again, this is just a, a quintessential Kirby hire. He's putting a premium on recruiting. It's not that Brian McClendon's a slouch as a coach. He's a fantastic coach, but he is a big time recruiter more than he is anything else. And to me, that's exactly why Kirby Smart's bringing him home. And that is the biggest reason why I love this. I love the fact that it's, that's a Georgia guy. I do love that. I eat that stuff up, but not only is he a Georgia guy, but he's a guy that can do the things that we need to continue to do to keep Georgia on top in the college football landscape. Well, you know, a lot of people's things with Heinz Ward and people like that were, well, they were Georgia guys. Well, you and I were talked about, we weren't sold on how they would handle recruiting. Well, this, this solves both. Is that like, okay, here's another question I had for you. So, you know, you mentioned Heinz Ward. Let's just go there real quick. So, Obviously, I think Brian McClendon, for most people, is someone they're going to be very happy with here. He's a guy that's been a coach here, he's been a player here, he's got family ties, whole nine yards, right? Big-time recruiter, which is what we want. But there are still some people out there, Curtis, you mentioned, that are lusting after a guy like Heinz Ward. You know, I walked into work this morning, the first thing one of my buddies at work said to me, love the guy, but he goes, well, I guess we just don't want an NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver coaching our wide receivers. I'm like, oh, my God, all right, okay, okay. So, I mean, why wasn't Heinz Ward the right answer? Is it just experience? I think experience and there's a difference in playing and coaching and not only coaching also, but the fact is recruiting. It is a big difference. And that's why a lot of these guys that, I mean, Heinz Ward did, he's been at FAU, I believe for one year or so. But the thing is like, they're not serious about recruiting the way Kirby is. Um, It is a commitment and it's more than just 
like you see a lot of these NFL coaches that come, they don't stay in college long because they don't want to recruit. And someone like Heinz Ward who's never been into it. You don't know if he's ready to give that commitment to the recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what it comes down to me. Look, I, do I think Heinz Ward knows the wide receiver position? Yeah, obviously. Of course the man does. Do I think he has a great personality? Yeah, that's well documented. We know what kind of guy he is and how outgoing and personal he is. He would be, ideally, would be a home run in the living room of a family. But there's so much more to it than just that, guys. It's a day-to-day, literally hour-by-hour grind. I mean, there's no off time. There's no off season. There's no off time. Like there, you're not off the clock. Everyone's recruiting. If, if a recruit calls you, doesn't matter if you're in the middle of your daughter's orchestra concert or whatever you want to call. It. I don't know what that concert concerts. You pick up the phone. That's your job. That's what you do. All right. And I just don't know. And maybe he is. Maybe he wants to jump into the to the deep end. And he wants to grind right away, and that'd be incredible. But we don't know that. So I wouldn't have been necessarily upset. Like, would you have been upset if Heinz Ward was the guy, Curtis? No, because if he, if he was ready to do it and Kirby believed in him, then no, I wouldn't have been upset because I would have at, – at this point in time, I can defer to Kirby's judgment. Agreed. Yeah, and, and look, I'm not saying Kirby's gotten every single hire right. Obviously, the glaring exception there would be James Coley. But the vast majority of these hires, he's nailed. He's done a really good job of them. So at this point, he's earned my trust when it comes to personnel and the coaching staff. And I guess I would say this too. Heinz Ward, I'm willing to allow. And I would, I would have been fine with Heinz Ward or Terrence Edwards. If those have been the hires, those names that come on down the news wires, breaking news. Georgia's hired Heinz Ward. Georgia, Georgia's hired Terrence Edwards. I'm okay with that. I, I mean, I actually might be really excited about it. And I, I think it's okay to say, and probably fair to say, that Heinz Ward and maybe Terrence Edwards have a higher ceiling potentially long term. at that position in terms of recruiting because of of their background. But I think there's far more risk associated with hiring them at at the same time. And when you're Georgia, you just don't have to take that risk. Like a a program like Northwestern might take a risk like that. You know, try to hit that home run. But why take that risk when you have a guy that's more of a complete package in Brian McClendon? He's done the job. He's done it for over a decade now. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's – it's not the idea, like you don't have to theorize, can he handle the grind? You know he can handle the grind. You don't have to theorize, can he be a good recruiter? You know he's a good recruiter. You know those things. So, again, I would have been fine if it was Heinz Ward. I've been fine if it was Terrence Edwards. I just think that Brian McClendon was the right hire. I think he checks all the boxes. I think he's more of an all-around hire right now. So uh, I'm very excited about this, and I think he's going to do a hell of a job here in Athens. Last thing on this, curse before we move on. So, obviously, he's coming in replacing Cortez Hayden, who's now – in Baton Rouge, coaching uh, at LSU. So with us hiring Brian McClendon, to me that says we're putting a premium on recruiting. Again, not that he's a slouch as a coach, but we're putting a premium on recruiting at that position. What does that tell you about what went down with Cortez Hankton behind the scenes? Do you think that's more along the lines of, of him just deciding he wants to go back home and go to LSU, go back to Louisiana where he's from? Or is it maybe a little bit of Kirby like, encouraging to look elsewhere because it wasn't working out because obviously we, how many times we get questions this during the regular season Curtis about the wide receiver recruiting and, and us not recruiting an elite level at that position so what do you think it's more of I think it is more of maybe in so many ways like hey go look somewhere else because the thing is especially from what you're hearing the rumors on the recruiting trail especially after we missed out on burden and people like that is that we um kind of took away 
full recruiting duties with from Hankton. Not that he wasn't recruiting, but the fact is he wasn't ever out there by himself trying to recruit anyone. Um, and, and that's what you're hearing from a lot of these guys that, that they should be having only relationships with him for the most part, but they were having relationships with everyone. And so it looked like it, we were putting more of a premium on recruiting and the fact that even people that weren't um, – the position coaches were starting to recruit these guys, trying to build the relationships with them, and and, B, and people to remember too. BMAC played wide receiver, so it's it's different. Also, like people to remember back in the day, he was a running back coach, and yet he never once played running back in college. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, I think maybe the answer is a little bit of both. Maybe it was a mutual thing where Cortez, you know, would like to head back home when closer it to family. Out, Cortez was able to go home, and we were able to bring our own guy home. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and there's no way, you know, I'll, I'll try to put some feelers out and get more of a of a strong answer on this, but I don't really have it right now. But just look at Kirby's history here, Curtis, as head coach at, at Georgia. He doesn't really fire guys. You know what I mean? Like guys move on, but he doesn't like flat out fire them. If he wants to make a change, he goes about it in a way that kind of preserves the reputation. And so they don't have to have on their resume, hey, I got fired from Georgia. You know what I mean? Like James Coley, right? James Coley. Yeah, the only, the only one that I feel like was actually fired was Rock, Tracy Rocker. Yeah, but even then, I, it didn't well, really it felt sound like Tracy Rocker, Rocker was felt, dismissed. But you're right. Well, I guess so after year one, yeah. It felt like Rocker was the one, though, that didn't exactly like take the hint and go somewhere else right away either. Yeah, most true. of these guys go and find another position or, you know, another opportunity. Yeah, and so I respect how Kirby handles that. And I think that's also one of the things that maybe makes this job, obviously our job's attractive for a lot of reasons, but the fact that your head coach, if things don't work out, is not really going to hang you out to dry like that and give you an opportunity to land on your feet somewhere where you don't have that hanging over your head and doesn't really affect your 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 job status, or affects your job status, but your um, markability out there on the job market, I think that's something that other coaches respect as well. So just putting that out there. And last thing, Curtis, we will move on. Uh, you mentioned that there are current recruits right now in the 2023 class that opened their eyes and made some comments on social media when the announcement was made that Brian McClendon is going to be our new wide receivers coach. And foremost among those was Brandon Ennis, who, by the way, if you guys don't know that name, Brandon Ennis, the number one rated wide receiver in the 2023 class, according to the 247 deposit, top 10 prospect nationally. He's about as college-ready of receivers I've seen coming out of high school in quite a few years. I mean, I'm not saying he's the best I've seen come out, but just in terms of like his polish at that level as a junior in high school, it's unbelievable, guys. So he flat out came out and said, like, I got to start looking at Georgia more seriously now. So that's what we're talking about when you're talking about the impact Brian McClendon can have on not just wide receivers, but just our roster in general, going out recruiting players. He has those kind of connections. He has that kind of respect. Players love him. They know what he's about, and I think this is going to really start to blow the roof off of our wide receiver recruiting. We're going to see. You know, the, we've always been asked the question, is, it, is our wide receiver recruiting those, some of those issues, is it more based on Cortez Hainton, or is it about our offense and the fact that our receivers don't really put up numbers? I think we're about to find out the answer to that question here pretty quickly with Brian McClendon taking over as our wide receiver coach. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Well, all right, Curtis. We do have a few mailbag questions left over from last week that we did not get to, so let's run through those here quickly. We're going to start with, this is an on-field question. Paul asks, I want to ask you about our front seven next season. Maybe it's too early to look ahead, but we're losing so many guys. I'm curious who, other than obviously Jalen Carter, you expect to step up and be a big-time player in that front seven next year. Kurt, who do you have your eyes on next year? in that front seven? I do think this is a really important question. Um, I think we got to look at, there's a couple. Um, Zion Logue will be someone that's going to be looked at. Um, and I think Warren Brinson is going to be another big player. Um, I think those are going to be two guys that kind of jump out right away. Um, and then one person who I think could be a wild card, it depends on how he is coming back, is going to be Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. I think that's someone that could potentially be someone to watch. Yeah, he's a guy, obviously, if you guys want to remember that name, he was a big-time recruit in last year's class, landing pretty late in the cycle. He yeah. didn't really play it all this year, but he's a guy that's highly rated, and maybe this is a time for him with all the openings on, on that defensive line for him to try to make his move. I think that's a really good name to watch there as well. Uh, you mentioned most of them there. I would add uh, Nazir Stackhouse as well, who's played some for us on the interior. Logue is the one who I think outside of Jalen Carter is going to be a guy that's going to take a big step. Obviously, we know Jalen Carter is going to take a big step. We know who he is. That's a first-round draft pick, maybe a top-10 draft pick right now. But Zion Logue is going to be a guy on the interior, kind of help fill that void left by a guy like Devontae Wyatt. My, my big question is who's going to be the guy in the middle, the big guy in the middle to replace Jordan Davis. I don't know if we have a guy like that on the roster. Guys like that do not grow on trees. I know long-term we want that to be Bear Alexander. He just underwent surgery to clean up some stuff from, um, from high school, but he should be fine. He's going to miss the spring, which doesn't really help. But at least he's here right now, and he's getting the proper treatment and, and medical care here on campus, much better than what he would get if he was still in high school. So that's a name to watch. But as a true freshman, to be Jordan Davis, I don't know. I just don't think we have that guy. It's going to be a little bit different up front for us. Uh, the five technique, here's another name to watch out for. Marlon Dean did not play a ton. But when he got opportunities, I really, really liked what I saw from this guy. as a former IMG prospect. He's not going to be Trayvon Walker. He's not. I don't think we have a guy that's going to be Trayvon Walker on the roster right now. But he's a guy that I think is at the least going to be a contributor at the five technique. And here's another name. And I hate to put this on freshmen. I hate to do it. I called my shot last year with Brock Bowers. I told you guys that guy was going to be the, the earliest impact player for us in 2021. And every now and then you get him right. I'm going to call my shot again this year. Right now, I'm going Michael Williams. Curtis, I think this guy is a day one impact player. 
and he plays the position. I think he's going to project to play the five-tech defensive end with Trayvon Walker moving on. That spot is wide open. I think he's at least, at the very least, early on going to factor into the competition. I think he's going to be in the rotation. And as the season goes on, as he gets more comfortable playing at this level, I think Michael Williams is going to be an impact player for us, all SEC caliber player at that five-tech position. So I am extraordinarily high on him. He's a top five. I'm not the only one high on him. He's a top five prospect nationally. But guys, that is a legit top five ring. And that dude is the truth. And I am beyond excited about him. So I think the defensive line is still stocked, but it's just going to have to operate a little bit different. We don't have that big space eater right now. Maybe Tymon Mitchell, but he's still, he's not Jordan Davis. Maybe Barry Alexander, but he's just not Jordan Davis. We're going to have to operate a little bit differently than we have in the past, but I still think we have plenty of big time players. And when you have Jalen Carter, the anchor there who, look, I love Jordan Davis. Jalen Carter was the best player on defensive line all year, the most talented player, at the very least you can say, on defensive line all year as a sophomore. So he's going to be an All-American candidate next year, All-SC candidate, obviously. Um, So he'll be the anchor there, but I think we have a lot of options uh, around him, even though we're losing some big-time players. I don't want to make any light of that. Like We are losing big-time players, but I think we have some answers there all on the defensive line. That's a really important question. All right, moving on here, Curtis. This is an interesting one. I'm curious what your thoughts are here. This is from Derek. He asked, with the rumors floating around about Todd Munkin and the NFL, if he does leave, how do you think we should handle the offensive coordinator position? Should we promote from within or go get a big name from outside of the program? Kurt, what's your take on that? You know, I was thinking about that. I've actually been thinking about that a lot because with the NFL, now you're seeing all these coaches getting hired and all the changes are being made. I have two choices, realistically. I would say um, either hire with him, hire from with him with Buster Faulkner, or try to go make a hire. I mean, we've shown that Todd Munkin, I mean, it's not like we had to show a lot. I mean, the guy's a good coach, uh, was always a good coach, in my opinion. But the fact is, we've shown that you can come in here and potentially parlay that, especially with the talent that we have. I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, I've been critical of Stetson, but the fact is, like, even him, as not the most talented quarterback in the country, can go out there and win a national championship. It can make your job a lot easier as an offense coordinator. And so there's plenty of talent to, so I'm that you can try to get. So I'm also of the opinion that we should also swing for the fences before you're like, okay, this is who we're going with. Yeah, look, we're Georgia. Uh, Georgia is a big-time job. We are a national championship program. So we absolutely should swing for the fences and go out and get who we think is the best name. It doesn't need the biggest name, but who Kirby thinks is the best guy for the job. Take your shot, take your swing at him and see what happens. If you get turned down, you get turned down, you go down the list. But when you're Georgia, you take a shot at those kind of guys. Curtis, does Alabama promote from within an offensive coordinator? Not, I don't think the only time was when you had someone like Sark on as an offensive analyst because he was out. Right, exactly. But Sark is was already a big time name. Sark is a guy, despite yeah. what happened to the head coach, made his bones, cut his teeth as an offensive guy. Highly thought of offensive mind. Eventually, obviously, goes to the Falcons. So we know what kind of mind he was. Yes, he was kind of sitting there waiting for his opportunity. But that's very different than Buster Faulkner. And I'm high on yeah. Buster Faulkner. I, I, I and I have heard some really good things about him. He has been offensive, offensive coordinator before at a lower level, the Group Five level at Southern Miss, but. I would I would Buster prefer is very different than be, Steve Sarkeesian was. Yeah, I would I would prefer Faulkner be a position coach for us before we even make him a 
quarterback or the OC. Yeah, it's just that's just elite, man. It's elite to go from okay, I was a group five offensive coordinator for a couple of years. I came to Georgia as an as an offensive analyst, and as soon as the offensive coordinator job opens up, I'm instantly inserted into that position. I'm le- leapfrogging position coach deal. I'm going straight there. And look, if if you think he is just like that that wonderkin kind of guy, that's just like, hey, man, like, this is the dude. If, he, if you think he's Joe Brady. And Kirby seen enough, then you gotta trust Kirby. I would trust Kirby. I would, I would have I'd be a little skeptical, but I would put my faith in Kirby until he until I'm proven wrong there. But I still think that would be a bit of a leap. And and I, I really want to keep Buster Faulkner around. I do think he has some a lot of value in this program. I know recruits players think very highly of him, coaches think very highly of him. Uh I I truly understand that. And I want to keep him around. But that doesn't mean we should just settle for Buster Faulkner right now. I think he's got to do a little bit more than just say, hey, I have a lot of respect from inside the program right now when there's potentially other names out there that have more of a track record, more of a resume that could come in and potentially do a better job. Like To me, if you lose Todd Munkin, I think you go out and try to hire a Todd Munkin-type guy. You know what I mean, Curtis? It has that kind of resume. Yeah, exactly, and- especially when you have a top recruit that you're trying to woo and Arch Manning, like, you can't have an underwhelming hire. I, I agree. Uh, here's the other name, Curtis. I guess we briefly touched on this last week. You know, we just – the other breaking-ish news, we, we, it wasn't official-official when we talked about it last week, but, like, I already knew it was a done deal. just hadn't been officially announced. But now it's officially announced. Mike Bobo has come back to Athens, another guy coming back home, working as an offensive analyst on the support staff. There's a thought out there, if Munkin leaves, some people are saying, well, now you just kind of – you got Bobo here, just like you had Muschamp. As an, a defensive analyst, and you bump him into defensive coordinator when that job opens up, is there a possibility that Bobo is kind of just sitting there waiting just in case something happens with Todd Munkin? I don't think so. Um, I think there's a completely different thing. Um, Muschamp's troubles were as a head coach. Never once was he doubted as a defensive coordinator. Um, and never was that the problem. Um, realistically, his undoing was always offensively. As a coach, um, he could never mm-hmm. get his teams going, and that was his downfall. But that can't be the sa- said the same for Mike Bobo at this current moment. Well, I know Bobo, so I, I know his last two stops on the coordinator didn't end very well, but he was working with spare, par- spare parts at South Carolina. Auburn, there's but a my, lot of tension my there. problem is people, people want us to change our offense and yes. go more towards the 21st century with the passing attack. Mike Bobo hasn't exactly shown that he is well back with Aaron Murray I would I would argue he did yeah but I think it was more of a pro style like he you haven't seen the it was a pro the, spread it was a pro spread yeah that's the thing I think Todd Monk that's what Todd Munkin's been Todd Munkin's a pro spread yeah but I feel like Todd Munkin can do it all I think that I mean how many times do we sit here and watch especially when we were playing South Carolina we were playing Auburn we we're like we know what plays are coming because Top, or Mike Bobo is Mike Bobo. Like you can sit there and be like, "This is the play coming." There's the creativity is not anywhere near the same level as what you get with Munkin, where Munkin yeah. was a master at getting people open. I think he was a, he was a, he was much better at scheming people open. I will I will certainly grant that. And look, Munkin had a significantly better. I mean, I I like I think I think more highly of Mike Bobo than the average Georgia fan does. But I I mean I don't blind. I don't I don't think badly of Mike Bobo. He's just he's not what. Um, he, does, he does not have the resume uh, Todd Munkin had. Like, not even close. No, when even you're talking about he was doing it with spare parts. Todd Munkin put together 
good offenses. That's with the ultimate fair part. That's yeah. been it. Yeah. And even then, like our, our wide receivers were not healthy for about 75% of the year. Um, yep. Lad McConkey was in there. I mean, the guy ended up doing well, but the fact Your best was, weapon on offense is a true freshman tight end. Yeah. And like Auburn, Lad was the only weapon you had. And we don't even land Lad to begin with if it hadn't been for Todd Munkin thinking, saying that this is a guy who I could see in my offense. I mean, we were operating for a chunk of the, at least in the middle part of the season with, you're exactly right, with Stetson Minnett quarterback, former walk on. Then you've got A.D. Mitchell, true freshman, three star true freshman. You got Lad McConkey, a three star redshirt freshman. And then you've got a true freshman tied in and brought Bowers. And that's essentially your entire offense, at least, you know, outside of running backs, your skill players there, your, your receivers, your pass catchers. So that's, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, those are spare parts too. I mean, I would say that those guys are a little bit more talented. Maybe it's the guys Bobo was working with at South Carolina, but still, I, I, I get your point there. But yeah, look, I, again, I would also say I would not, like, if, if Bobo got promoted to that job, I would not instantly dismiss it like I know a lot of Georgia fans would, who would just crap on it instantly. I, would be I wouldn't be a fan happens. of it because I don't think it brings excitement. Um, realistically, you need someone who can potentially excite some of these recruits, and I don't see Mike Bobo's being that guy. Bobo's a really good recruiter, but you're you're the name. You're right. The name is not going to like send shockwaves through the southeast. It's just not. It's just not. Like when you think of someone like Arch Manning, as good as a recruiter as Mike Bobo is, that's not. I don't think that that hire helps secure him. Just yeah. like I'm, just think yeah. about it. Mike fair. Bobo was our fair. coach. Fair, fair. If Mike Bobo, if Mike Bobo was the offensive coordinator, would Brock or I would Vandegrift have ultimately ended up at Georgia? I don't know. I could sit here and say that that would have even happened because he was really drawn in by Todd Munkin. Agreed. Yeah. Look, I, I and here I, I look again. I said it. I, I think Mike Bobo. I think more highly of him. Than I think your average Georgia fan does. But I'm not blind. I recognize that there are better options out there. And we need to take swings at those better options. Well, like you said, down if, better if, options, if that's Bobo one thing, but you got to try first. You got to try. Settle, if we settle for Bobo because we couldn't land anyone else, okay. But I don't want that to be like right. with Muschamp. It can't be, okay that can't be option number one. Yeah, like we were with Muschamp. But I think that was a great – you know, because I think I, I think really highly of Muschamp's defensive mind. Yes. I mean, Bobo just can't – he cannot be plan A as the coordinator. If he's plan D – Okay, like if we if we take swings and we miss at higher guys higher on our list and bigger names, then that's fine. I, I would I would not like be freaking out necessarily over which I know a lot of Georgia fans would, but he cannot be Plan A. But I will say, kind of like with Muschamp, it's a really nice safety net, Curtis. Right, at the very least, it's a safety net of sorts. We'll say someone else to if you hire someone and they end up developing an addiction to some type of substance. You have him to come in, which is a very nice way to bail. Hey, man, if it happened once, it could happen again. <laughs> I mean, nowadays you never know. If it happened, like you said, you just you always have to be prepared. Hey, man, Sarkisian was drunk at, at, at speaking engagements at USC. Crazy things happen at the college game. Exactly, it's, people. Don't, crazy things people happen. Have abuses. Yeah. So he's got to be ready. And, and I wasn't, but I, in all seriousness, I love about Kirby. Kirby has a contingency for the contingency for the contingency. You know what I mean? Like he is the ultimate I'm super prepared kind of guy. Like he is not going to be caught with his pants down literally or figuratively. Well, you also want to know happen. what a hang up you want. I know this sounds petty, but I also have a hang up of Mike Bobo health wise. Um, Absolutely. That, that's, and let's go ahead and call State. That's what, I mean, he wasn't like 
setting the world on fire before his because it was like a, a nerve thing. It's a very bad thing. But once once that happened, he couldn't even stay on the sidelines. He was coaching from the press box for multiple games. I mean, if you look at Mike Bobo now, he is not the Mike Bobo he was he when not. he was at Georgia health wise. You look at him, he's put on a lot of weight. He doesn't yeah. look healthy. And I, I couldn't sit here and say in good conscience that or with that 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 would not be used against us. I mean, it's a dirty game. We're talking about recruiting is a dirty game. Mud is thrown and mud would be thrown about his health because like you said, he had some serious issues, especially at Colorado state that led to his ultimate, you know, leaving. Yeah, that that was, I don't want to say that's what sealed the deal, but that was certainly a part of it. I mean, he didn't win enough games ultimately, but the last couple of years, one of the reasons he didn't win enough games is because he couldn't be the coach that he's always been because he had health issues to deal with, which I hated for him. I really do, but that was certainly a factor. That's something you got to consider for sure. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, Curtis, finally, let's do a, a real quick National Signing Day preview. Some of you might be sitting there saying, wait, didn't you already do this? Yeah, we did, but that was for the early signing period back in December. This is the late signing period. Used to be the only signing period, but now it's considered the late signing period here, the first Wednesday of February, which is, oh, by the way, this Wednesday. And we still have a few names out there, some big names, actually, that we are after to close out this class. We did do most of our heavy lifting, the vast majority of our heavy lifting in the early signing period, but we're trying to close strong. There's a couple names out there, Curtis. I'm going to list a couple. Tell me if I'm missing somebody here. Shamar Stewart, top 10 prospect, is a, a defensive lineman. I'd say a five-tech defensive lineman. Christian Miller is a top 100 guy. a three-tech interior defensive lineman. EJ Lightsey from Fitzgerald here in Georgia. Former Florida commit is an inside linebacker. Andrew Paul, the late running back offer that we threw out last week from Texas. And then Jordan James, he's still currently committed to us. Um, We'll see how that plays out. He's certainly taking visits and talking to different schools, and we'll see how that plays out there. Are there any other names that I didn't throw out there? I can't think of anyone that you missed. And look, there might be a surprise name here and there. It could happen. But these are names that we know publicly, high-profile names, that we are after and have visited us. I mean, Shamar Stewart was on campus. Andrew Paul was on campus uh, this weekend, actually, for official visit. So we know these are the guys that we're going after, and these are the big names left on the board. So, Curtis, of those names I mentioned there, let's say we only land one of those guys. Hopefully, it's more than just one. But if we only land one of them, which one of those guys is the most important prospect for us to land on Wednesday? I'm going to go with Christian Miller. Totally agree. Why Christian Miller? Um, I just think defensive line, we lost a lot of guys you were talking about earlier, and I think he's a guy that can come in there and do – I don't know if he's an immediate impact guy, but I think he's going to be a really big piece that can do a lot for us, especially in year two in my opinion. Um, and then of the other guys, a lot of these positions, I feel like running back is something that you can 
fill through the portal realistically. Um, you know, right now I'm keeping my eye personally on say, um, the guy who went to Michigan that um, Donovan Edwards, if Harbaugh makes a jump, like there's yeah. a lot of things where I think that we could fill some of those needs that, and that aren't exactly the most pressing needs where we need to keep stacking defensive line. hundred percent agree. Uh, we mentioned one of the, our mailbag question from Paul is a great question. What we got Jalen Carter, but what are we going to do along the rest of the defensive line? And Christian Miller is a guy that it's really, I always hesitate to project guys along the, the defensive line, the offensive line, the trenches, to make instant impacts because it's just a grown man's game on the in the trenches more than anywhere else on the field. It's, it's just about size, strength, physicality, that kind of thing. You can get away with it more like Keely Ringo as a, as a redshirt freshman out there at uh, at at DB because it's not the physicality. Brock Bowers is is an exception. You know those guys don't come on they they don't grow on trees. But Christian Miller is a guy that I think could potentially at least come in and contribute on the defensive line. I don't expect him to come in and set the world on fire right away, but Curtis. Down the road, could he be an impact type defensive lineman for us? Oh, yeah. Year two, I think he could be a really good five tech. I think he'd be a five. I think he'd play a three as well. I mean, I, right now, honestly, I might lean him towards – he's about 300 pounds, so I'd lean him – lean towards him being more of a, of a three technique. But he could also – he has that, that position of versatility, which also makes you really, really valuable uh, if you can play – Especially in pass, rush, pass rushing situations, you can see him in, in on the three kind of like Jalen Carter at times goes inside. Yeah. And look, I know a lot of you are sitting there saying like, well, Tyler, you just said Christian Miller's a, a top 100 recruit. Shamar Stewart's a top 10 recruit. So how can you possibly say that Christian Miller's a more important guy to land than Shamar Stewart? I get that, guys. I understand that. I just don't go straight on what the rankings are. I think Shamar Stewart's a fantastic player. And trust me, I would love also to have him. I also think Shamar Stewart doesn't want to play where we think he'd be best. He would be best in the Trayvon yeah. Walker role. And I think he does. I think he wants to, he thinks he's an outside linebacker. Exactly. And and so what does he want to be and what is versus our what is our vision for him? I agree with you, Curse. I think he's a five tech guy, a la Trayvon Walker. Here's the thing. Here's why I would not say of the guys that we have left on, on our on our board right now, he's not my top target. It's because of Michael Williams, a guy I mentioned earlier. Michael Williams, in my opinion, projects to play the exact same position. I believe Michael Williams is better than Shamar Stewart. Shamar Stewart's really, really good. Again, I would love to have him on our roster. Absolutely. It'd be crazy to not want him on your roster. I think Michael Williams is better. And so if you already have Michael Williams, a guy I, I think more highly of than Stewart, we're splitting hairs there, but I think a little bit more highly of him, it kind of cushions that blow of potentially not landing Stewart. You know what I mean, Curtis? Like we already have Michael Williams. If we don't land Stewart, it's not as big of a deal. Christian Miller, we, you mentioned we need defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen. I think Christian Miller fills that need better than anyone that's out there uh, for us to land right now. Uh, EJ Lightsey, the inside linebacker, formerly committed to Florida. I'm high on him as well. I think he moves really, really well. But I think although we don't have any proven guys right now at inside linebacker, I like the talent that we have in that position. I think we have a lot of talent. I think we have, we're going to have a great competition this spring and into the fall. Andrew Paul, I told you guys last week, we threw out the offer to him last week. I think you put on his tape, put on Jordan James' tape. And if you, just, if you, didn't, if you didn't know their names and just watch the tape, I think you'd be insane to not say that Andrew Paul is, at, at the very least, extraordinarily comparable talent-wise Jordan James. Personally, I prefer Andrew Paul. I would take Andrew Paul over Jordan James right now. Uh, but you mentioned, Curtis, we're, we're, we're in good shape at, at running back right now. We could also hit, hit that position in the transfer portal, although I would certainly like to add Andrew Paul. Uh, all right, Curtis, last thing here, prediction time. All right, I'm going to go down the list. These guys we just talked about. 
Tell me if you think they're going to Georgia or not. So give me a yes or no. Shamar Stewart, yes or no? Dog? Uh, no. No. I think there's a shot. I know he's here for his official visit. Things went well. But I'm with you right now. If I had to lean one way or the other, I would say no. I'd probably go about 60% no on that. But the door's still open there. Uh, Christian Miller, Cedar Grove. Uh, yes. I think he's yes, going to be Christian a dog. Miller signed, allegedly signed in the uh, early signing period. He's just going to go public with his commitment on um, on Wednesday. So, yeah, I'm with you on Christian Miller. I think that we end up landing Christian Miller. I know Ohio State's made a run there as well, but I'm going to go yes. I'm going to say dog for Christian Miller. EJ Lights, he had a Fitzgerald. I think he's a dog. Yeah, I think dog. I'm going to go yes there. Andrew Paul, it's a whirlwind recruitment, Curtis. Got an offer about a week ago. I think he's going to be a dog. Um, I think that last visit for him will be huge. Yeah, I, I think getting the last visit there, and and we fended off some different programs for him. And I, look, I know he's like ranked in the 500s, and he's really come on late this cycle. He's come on really late. He d- didn't do all the camps, all that kind of thing, which I think is a big reason why his rating is so low. But his senior take, guys, go watch it if you haven't already. I think you will like what you see. So I think Andrew Paul, I'm not saying he's a five-star guy. I think he's a top 250 guy at least. I think his rating's a joke. Um, but he's come on the scene late. He had offers from Clemson, Michigan, Oregon. So some big time offers and big time programs are after him. So, uh, we were able to hold them off some of these guys and get him on campus here for this final official visit. We went in home on Thursday before the official visit. I feel very good about our chances to land him. So I'm going to say dog and Curtis, does that mean Jordan James non-dog? Yeah, I think he messed up by not signing early. Yeah, I think that's what happened. He didn't sign early and was still flirting with other programs. Oregon, does that look like the likely landing spot right now? What it feels like, yeah. If you look at, I mean, I look, I don't follow these guys. I mean, I don't talk to these guys or anything like that, but just kind of looking at the the crystal balls that are out there, it seems to be that he's trending towards Oregon, which, again, I'm fine with if we land Andrew Paul. I think we got the better of the two if it ends up being Andrew Paul over Jordan James. Jordan James is a good player, but uh, I'll take Andrew Paul over Jordan James. But all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. We will definitely be back on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, depending on when it actually gets posted up. But we will be recording the episode, signing day night to recap all the happenings of the late signing period. And we'll also bring in the stuff from the early signing period as well. We told you guys back in December that we were going to wait on doing like the deep dives into this 2022 recruiting class until it was all said and done and all the ink was dry, all these guys had signed. So we'll bring all those guys in from December. We'll add them in together with the guys that signed in the late signing period or at least go public in the late signing period and we'll do a full-on signing day recap and we'll have some more recruiting stuff for you guys over the next couple of weeks as well but we definitely want to have that signing day recap for you guys on signing day night so make sure to check back for that but thank you guys for listening again you guys are awesome cannot thank you enough for all your support over the years and we're going to keep this thing rolling so thank you guys for that for Curtis I'm Tyler and as always go dog.